Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Joining us in the classroom tonight is Coach Ken Vigdahl from Brookings, South Dakota. And Coach Vigdahl, really appreciate getting you in the classroom today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Uh, coach Vigdahl is a 3D coach, certified coach. Uh, yep. He also works on uh, mental and peak performance. So really excited to hear what you think about the game of football and to hear your journey and maybe what trends are on the horizon. Well, I think the biggest trend that's on the horizon is, you know, I think mental performance is where weightlifting was maybe 15, 20 years ago. You know, and nobody knew for sure what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, you know, get in here, do this. And now I think that mental performance is that same situation because I think in time that every school will have a mental performance coach because if you look around anywhere around the college level, the NFL level, those guys are doing it because they have personal coaches. And it's not personal, you know, they all have their strength coach and trainer, but they're also all have their personal mental performance coach too. That's so true. That's so true. I, uh, coach, there's so many times when you think about mental uh, performance and, and, and the the game, how it's evolving, of how much is, uh, you know, we had a coach, I'll fast forward to this, we had a coach who was on our staff and now is coming back to our staff. And on the tagline of his emails, he was always say it's 10% physical, 90% mental. And uh, I, I think it's so true. I mean, I was a pole vaulter in high school and college, and I went like a week's time where I couldn't even plant the pole, and it wasn't anything physical. Yeah. But it was a mental block of me planting a 14 and a half foot pole and trying to go clear 15 feet. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the quarterback that can't hit an out route. He's thrown it a thousand times, but all of a sudden, week four, guess what, guess what happens? He can't hit it. Try. And it, it's not because he can't make the throw. It's because of his mental performance and where he, his brain's at at that time. Yeah. Well, Coach, go ahead, JT. No, I was just going to ask. So, Coach, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, what brought you into the mental side of the sport. Uh, the journey starts back. I was I was uh, assistant coach in the middle of the state of Iowa in Central Iowa, over by Ames, and moved up in Northwest Iowa. Became a head coach, uh, coached at the college level for a year, and then went down to uh, the middle of the state again and got an opportunity to come up here in Brookings, uh, a large two-way uh, school and was the offensive coordinator here and you know we went through 2014 you know you're you're doing everything right you make it to the state championship and you're like hey this is awesome we're going to do this every year this is this is easy you know hey no problem let's just keep going two years later we find ourselves 0 and 9 and we go from hey this is really cool to hey this is this is what it is i don't know what it is (laughs) And we sat down afterwards, and, and I dabbled in, you know, what's funny is culture was called chemistry years ago. Mm. You know, yes. people always go, what's the chemistry of your team? You know, how do you, how do you build the chemistry? And it was kind of like, well, you know, for the most people, even back 10, 15 years ago, it was just, just let it happen. What happens, happens. You know, these kids were good kids when they were in fourth grade, and they all got along, and they came up, and that's the way it worked. Well, all of a sudden, now we call it culture, but, you know, I don't know if there was anything really 
wrong with our culture, but after 09, we sat down and said, there's some things that we have to do better. And uh, one of those things was some X's and O's things that we had to do. And here we go. We need to do fix that. And that's the first thing all coaches look at. What do we got to do better? X's and O's. And I came into our head coach and I said, you know, I dabbled in this for 10 years and I, I, I kind of did this and did this here. And, you know, I think we need to work on our mental side and our culture. And that uh, winter, I read Randy Jackson's book, Culture Defeat Strategy. And it was kind of a gush of a flood in my head that just said, I have all this stuff that we've done, but it's so unorganized. You don't know when to do it and how to do it and what, what you're going to do with it. So we made a plan. We sat down and said, okay, what are we going to do in the spring? What are we going to do in the summer? What are we going to do in the fall? And it's all because Randy Jackson kind of gave you a blueprint of this is what's going to happen. So, you know, the next year after our 0-9 season, we were dealing with a group of seniors that didn't win a game in 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade. And you're kind of like, okay, where, where are we going to go from here? And all of a sudden, we win a couple games. And, you know, we installed the – we competed everything. Everything we do is a competition. It doesn't matter what you're doing, grade point, average, weight room. Uh, we do competitions all the time. And, you know, that was the one thing. We sat down and said, uh, we need some values here. And, you know, we have good kids. And we have kids that play hard and stuff. But there were just some things that we thought we need to clean up and being a farm kid – you know, you know, you go out on the farm every day and you're working your tail off and stuff. When Randy Jackson said tough people win, I don't know if I'm just not that smart, but that just clicked with me and it was like, you know, that's being on the farm. That's when your dad says, here, you get to go, you know, do these chores for four hours while I go do something else. And he's not giving me, hey, how about you drive the air conditioning tractor for the next you know, six hours? He's like, you're out in the, you're out in the, you know, barn and you're cleaning, you know, whatever. You're throwing hay bales. You're throwing yeah. hay bales, buddy. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll sit in and then, yeah, uh, the then you just in the barn when it's 110 and there's no breeze and you get to, you get to, you know, throw the bales in the barn. So, you know, all that just resonated with me. And so we sat down and, and we made, what's our motto going to be? And then that same year I read uh, Joshua Medcalf, Pound the Stone. So to me, that just made sense. What do you have to do? And I know you talk about the, the stone cutter all the time, and so do we in the aspect of every day you show up, you got to pound the stone, and that's the way it's going to be. And so our big motto is pound the stone. And, you know, every shirt, every car had pound the stone when you're driving around Brookings, you know, and that's in this last season. It's because that's where our mantra is. And then we decide that, you know, we need core values. And, and one of the things our kids did do uh, to some extent was when we try to coach them, they defend themselves. You know, and so that's when I also read Above the Line by Urban Meyer, and he talks about BCD, you know, blame, complain, and defend. And it was like all the pieces were just falling in line for us. You know what I mean? It's kind of like each one was a light bulb that said, we needed to do this, we needed to do this. And so when a kid starts saying, hey, what about this and this and this? And we just go to BCD. And it's amazing what has happened is, you know, those three little words or three little letters come out of your mouth. And kids just stop because they're conditioned now to know, hey, you need to stop and listen, and this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, my favorite ones is, is talk to yourself and don't listen to yourself. That's another core value we have, and it's an awesome one because how many people, no matter how old you are, talk yourself out of something? 
You know what I mean? We always, we, we've done this a couple times where we line everybody up the first day of practice and say, you got a hundred yard bear crawls if you want. You don't have to, but you want. If you want to, go ahead. And they all start. And we start, and we, and it's not just that when we talk about it, we, we start showing them how to do it. Okay. The, you know, some of the kids, they get to the 50 yard line and they're what? They're tired. They want to stop. Don't look at the end. Look at the yard in front of you. Can you make it one more yard? Can you make it one more yard? And they finish. And so, and they, they surprise themselves when they actually understand that, you know what, my mind can take me long past when my body says it's time to, to quit. And so that's another core value. And we have finish empty, which makes common sense to everybody and play present. And our coaches say those things every day. It's not like, you know, you take play present, forget about it, go on to the next play. We don't say stuff like that. We say play present because all the coaches are on the same page. And that's what we're going to do. And so that kind of developed our our core training of this is our culture and this is the way it's going to be. And like I told you, we do competitions. It doesn't matter if it's tires, if it's hot dogs, if it's grade point. If you think you got anything, we'll do it. I mean, the best thing we did last year is we called the cross-country team in and we had those blind noodle fights with them to see who could, who could win. Was it the football team or the 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 cross country team and it's a great way to build relationships with your other kids and your program so people want to come to your football games they know that you're giving of themselves so hey this is what we do so uh we do all kinds of things like that it, i think our kids have fun with it and then last year uh i became certified in mental performance and that's and we also had ethan miller come in and he said okay what about these things here? And so what about routine? What are you doing for routine? Well, we're not doing anything for routine. And so we're like, a, if successful people have routines. They do the same thing every day. And so, you know, we started, okay, what, what is it when you make a mistake? You know, it's called red light, green light. Uh, when you make a mistake, we do a physical action now where we like wipe it off yourself. So you yeah. get rid of it. And all of those things, you know, a, a year ago, we were behind in, in the fourth quarter in six games, and we come back and won four of them. I mean, it, it's just, it's we were down, like, we would be down like 16, 17 points. And you know in a high school football game, you go into the fourth quarter, 16 points down, what really are the chances you're going to win that game? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, zero. And we come back, and we would put points on the board. We got beat by a team in the regular season that we beat in the playoffs, you know, later to get to the semifinals a year ago. And so it's proven that our mental performance has, has made our kids a lot mentally tougher because of the simple fact that there used to be a day, and you know how it goes, some, something goes wrong and what happens? Uh, fall apart. Goes fall apart. And the next thing goes wrong. And yeah. so, you know, we kind of broke that cycle with these kids of, okay, you had something go wrong, wipe it off. And, I mean, our kids yell it. I mean, they'll, if something happens, they'll go wipe it. And so that was a big thing with us. You know, we talk about routine in the morning. Hey, our kids make their beds. You've got to accomplish something right away in the morning. You know, you yeah. put your phone up on your dresser. You don't have to sleep with it right by your bed. You know, get water in you right away. When you're driving to, uh, when you're driving to school, listen to Success Hotline, you know. So that's kind of their routine. And, and we have a routine in football where we uh, – We'll, we'll do our uh, dynamic stretching, and when we're doing that, I'm shaking every kid's hand every day to build that relationship with them, to build that connection with them that says, 
hey, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And so, you know, we do that. And right after that, we go ahead and we sit down. And, you know, uh, Brian Kane has mindset. He's got those 25 growth mindset questions. We throw one out. They're sitting in their units. Uh, where in the spring, we every we nominate, you know, eight unit leaders. Uh, and then they, they draft their units and, and they live with their units. It's, it's, you know, you're living and dying with your unit because everything you do is, a, like I go back to, competition. And so at the end, of course, we do the thing on Friday night after the last uh, fall and we we have the winners get the, the steaks and the losers get the hot dogs and, and that's just the way it works and so uh you know all those things combined is and all those things just made us a, a team that was tight yeah. and has it always been easy no it's been a lot of hard work and a lot of people but you know we we start part of this in in the spring uh with the three different book reads i know people do book reads all the time and stuff but we have one set for our sophomores, and that's Chop Wood, Carry Water, probably one of the, the best books that I've read in the process of learning to be great. Our juniors have to be learn how to be great teammates because they're going to be teammates with the seniors, and so that, that carries on to the next year, next one. So we read The Hard Hat, and our seniors read uh, Training Camp because that's the best of the best. This is your last year. You need to be the best that you've been all year. And what's funny about that or unique about that is – you know who does a couple of those presentations of those books? Guys that were on the 0-9 team. Wow. That's crazy. And they're good at it. And they are really good at it. And so we have most of our former players come back and do some of those book sets that they have that we do. I'm always, I always do the sophomores because I, I want to get them started out the way I want to get them started. Right. But when we get to the juniors and seniors, I don't, I don't do it. I go... But I don't do it. We have former players do it, which is was kind of unique, and it's it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, coach, you sound like y'all got it going on. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> y'all got it going on. I'll and tell you, it's it's, uh, it's uh, I, I, the one thing I don't lack is energy. Yeah, I, I, I can I can definitely tell that. And uh, no, it's 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 crazy. But you know, the more things we can do, uh, you know, the happier I am. And and you know, the, the, when we go to SDSU camp, you know, you think SDSU, all the other teams come in and they stay at the dorms and, you know, they stay up all night and do a fortnight or whatever they're doing. You know what I mean? What yeah. do the Brookings kids used to do? They used to go home. They're going to their own home. They don't. They camp out in my backyard now. Right. So, you know, they come, they bring their tents before the camp starts. Try to, they always seem to tie to the smallest tree that I got in the whole backyard and, Hopefully it holds the seven tenths that they're they're uh, they want to hold down in the rain and uh, wind or whatever happens with the weather up here and and nothing's better than watching a tent defeat a bunch of high school kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they have a tough time winning the tent. The tent usually wins before it's all said and done. <laughs> so uh, we have supper in my house and we do all kinds of things to make them you know a family and that's what we break down half the time on is is family because. You know, that's what it takes to be a football team. Yeah. You know, yeah. you listen to championship games and you listen to, uh, you know, people win the Rose Bowl or whatever. They don't ever say, man, I'm glad coach ran that counter on third and four, right. do they? They yeah. go, no, I love my teammates. And that's what our goal is for, for our kids to love their teammates. Yeah, there's a thing that I always tell uh, when I do presentations uh, on the administrative side of like teaching and stuff. 
about how teachers have to be energetic where you either create it and, or you catch it. Well, right now you're creating it, and I think JT or I, we're catching all this energy you're coming from, Coach. I can, I can feel the passion that you have uh, yeah. for the game, uh, and not only just for the game, but for kids and, and yeah. how important they are in your program. That, that's, that's what I'm starting to gather. And, and the routine thing, you know, Greg Graber, uh, the mindfulness coach for GW basketball, LSU basketball, uh, he has a thing, uh, this mindfulness training as well, where I'm just going to start using this with my receivers. And I use it in the classroom a little bit, but it's 517. And it's just kind of relaxing your brain. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing 517 with my receivers. Um, but what you said about routine is huge. Like my wife is huge on routine. It, it's so much routine. You know, we're out of school now and I have my seven seven-year-old here and my three-year-old. Well, I got to teach my seven-year-old first grade, so we have a detailed schedule. And JT, you know this. I mean, you, I, I, there's a certain time that we have, but uh, you know, there's a detailed schedule, and uh, she is highly successful as an RN. And uh, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said people that are successful have a routine. So, kudos to you, Coach. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I think one of the big takeaways that I got is. People are always looking for like a prepackaged system, right? So like if you're not a culture person, what can I buy that I can like insta culture, just add water? Um, and all the things that you've talked about so far, it's not one system, it's many systems. So you talked about above the line with Urban Meyer, you talked about Randy Jackson, you talked about Ethan Miller, who actually went to college with Chad Van Clay, who's uh, our head coach here in Denison. Um, you know, you talked about Medcalf and all these books and you know, all this stuff, right? So, like, I think that's the other thing is that people have a hard time organizing the stuff, like you said earlier. Yeah. And it's kind of, in order to prevent culture from being a flavor of the week, you know, you really have to be really purposeful with what is the intent that you're going to take from one piece to the next. And so, I well, really like you've, you've tailored that program. Well, and one thing we do on Thursday is uh, I got a couple things here. One thing we do on Thursday is we don't let any kid on the football field, even our practice field. They all have to stay off the football field. It's a discipline thing. It's don't throw the ball on the football field and then go out and get it. And, you know, what's weird is discipline takes time. It's not just, hey, you need to do this, and everybody goes, oh, can I? Yeah, perfect. No, they go, no, they go. So the first year, balls would throw. They'd go out there. Kids would go out there and get them, and you'd have to say, hey, Thursday practice, man, it's discipline day. You know, it's discipline day for tomorrow night. And they would go off and on and off and on and off and on. Well, then the next year, all of a sudden, less and less. So if a ball goes out there, a kid there. I mean, like this year, nothing. Their ball didn't go out there. Nobody goes out there. And we line up, we hold hands. And just like you said, and believe it or not, if you can't figure it out, I'm a storyteller too. And uh, so you got to pick the right story for, you know, your time, your game. I think one of the better things we did last year with our mental performance was, you know, I think too many coaches get up, get caught up into, okay, they got a great defense and you got to stop them. And you're so worried about the other team. You don't worry about yourself. I mean, I, I think the greatest thing we did last year was we never on Thursday mentioned who we were playing. Mm. We always mentioned, what did we do? The stories always had to deal with us. You know what I mean? It didn't have to deal with the other team. It dealt with us. So, uh, I think that's important. I think it gets the kids' minds right for that practice. It's quiet. It's controlled. You know what I mean? And it's kind of interesting that you talk about people just want to prepackage stuff. 
And what happened over the course of this last year is people started asking. So my son and I have actually started to create a system where we can come to your school and we can help you in, implement it. It's called Big Doll Intentional Performance. And what we're going to do or what we want to do is to say, here you go. This is your, uh, we've organized it for you. We give you the date. We give you the time. We tell you everything that you need to do. Now, here's the problem that with mo most people, though, is they still got to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like making core values. Okay, here's our core values. We're going to play hard. And the coach came up with that. Well, if the, your kids don't come up with your core values, you know, you really don't have core values. Right. So it's it's kind of interesting that, you know, we've decided that, okay, we're going to take the plan that we put together, create it, go out, and it doesn't have to be football coaches. It can be any team that we want to or that wants to get better because we deal with culture and mental mental performance, which most people don't do. Here's the culture, here's the mental performance, but they don't mix them. So we did we looked at it as, okay, you have to do full to be successful. Well, here, here you bring up a great point about mental performance. And I think that's how we alluded to in the beginning of the conversation. What do you see is the biggest pitfall for athletes uh, at the high school level? And maybe not just football, but maybe basketball, the kid that misses free throws and he could hit seven out of 10 the day before, and then he can't hit the, the broad side of a barn. But what's the biggest obstacle that you see on the mental approach for a high school athlete? Two things. I think number one is when they practice, they believe they can make that throw or that shot or that free throw. And then when they get in the game and there's pressure on them, now it becomes, oh, do, can I make it or not make it? Right. And so one of those things is when you believe, you got to believe all the time. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those things. And I think that because now, like when we start practice, we go to something called the Alabama drill. We got four plays to get four. We got four plays to get a first down. I mean, we've got our pockets in our practice that puts pressure on you to perform. I mean, I remember the first guy I ever coached with. Loved him to death. He, he was like a dad to me. But the, the, you know how you all get. There's a spot in the middle of the practice field that has no grass in it because we never move. I mean, we ran offense in the same spot for 11 weeks in a row, and he had over 200 wins, and I'm not complaining about the way he coached because he was an awesome coach, but he never moved. We never moved from that dirt spot. You know, we, we're into the boundary. We're here. We're there. Uh, we're goal line stuff. And so, you know, we want to give our kids as much of what's going to happen in the game as possible. And so I think that's a big thing. And I, the other thing is, I don't think, you know, we can all say it, forget about it. You know, kid makes a bad play, forget about it, and whatever. I think once we went to, hey, you have to have a physical movement, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know if I really believed it at the beginning either. When people say you got to have a physical movement to get stuff out of your body, out of your head, I, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, that, does that really work? And two years later, I'm the biggest believer in that that there is. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, wow. You know, so I really think, you know, are they confident all the time? And I think what's what's odd about being confident is the kid who seems like he's confident through the school day, through practice, you know, and then he gets under the lights or gets on that court or gets in a baseball game, whatever he's doing, I don't think they're always that confident. 
You know what I mean? So so it, almost it, like they don't trust. It's almost like they don't trust their own uh, skill level. Exactly. You know, and like we had a quarterback this past year who was pretty good, but he struggled in the quick game. Yeah. And I, I mean, he, he was he was I mean. JT, you know, I mean, he threw for 593 in the championship game, had the innate ability to throw the deep ball, which is crazy. But he struggled at, at underneath stuff. And I don't know if, I mean, you can't be that good of a passer. And that's why, I'm, as you're talking, I'm, I'm processing his mental approach or even some of my receivers and their mental approach to a game of, we had a guy that's a junior, he dropped more balls than he caught, and I kept him in. His senior year, he has forty something catch, uh, forty five catches for over a thousand yards receiving. Same kid, and I don't know if it goes into the trust aspect, the believe aspect that you're talking about, the confidence aspect that you're that you're talking about. But I think all of those are play a vital role. Go ahead, JT. Some of it's got to be maturity too, don't you think? I mean, there's a reason your sophomores read Chopwood, Terry Water. There's a reason your juniors have a different one. There's a progression. That's what makes it a system. Right. Um, well, and everything we do is intentional. You know what I mean? We just don't throw it out there to hope that it works. But you're exactly right. It's a great point that I didn't think of before, but that's why we do that. It, and it, it is all intentional of what we do. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the 21st century athlete. Uh, right now, like if you, all of us, we've got a lot of coaches, coaching experience in the room right here with just us three on the screen. Um, but the game has changed and the student athlete has changed a little bit. What challenges do you think coaches need to be prepared for with the 21st century athlete? Cause let's be honest, we don't think very highly as, as a coach's fraternity of the 21st century athlete. And I, and I think if you, you have two choices in it, you can fight it and you can say, you know, they're entitled. Uh, they don't work hard. Uh, they're this, they're that, they're everything that we hear about them. Or you can embrace it and say, okay, what are we going to use to make these guys better? And I truly think, I think one of the greatest thing our assistant coach said to, to me the other day was, is we made the kids this year humble and we made them play for each other and we made them mentally tough. And I think when you can make your kids humble and mentally tough and they play for each other, I mean, I think the way we do our system, and we do a lot more things than even what I've said. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And when you get kids to play for each other, that's the key. And somebody told me this a long time ago, or not a long time ago, but a few years ago, and I truly believe it, and I don't use war very often, but but – People don't shoot people in war because they hate them. They shoot people in war because the people they love the people behind them, and that's why that's why they shoot you know the enemy. I mean it's it's not because they hate them. It's because they love the guys behind them, and that's what we try to create here is an atmosphere where our, where our kids love each other, and we tell them we tell our kids that we love them. Yeah. I mean it's 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 that you know it's that kind of relationship that we have with them, and that we shake their hands and you know what I mean when they come off and you know the days of you know I remember probably my younger days when somebody make a mistake and the receiver drops the ball like yell catch the ball well I think there's not anybody in the football game that didn't know he probably should have caught the ball but I just had to reiterate it for him so everybody knew that he should have caught the ball you know what I mean it's like that's the craziest statement in the world you know and so uh you know now we're much 
I don't want to say gentler, kinder, but I, our expectations are higher because our kids are delivering more. Yeah, I think we're more understanding. Yes. I think that's what it goes to is we're more understanding. And uh, I'm in the same boat with you. Coach Torrey's in the same boat with his running backs. Like I, I have no reservations telling my crew, my unit, that I love them. Uh, you know, I talked to two of them today since we're not in school, and that's part of the reason, like the fact that we're not in school right now. I love being with my family. Uh, I love this time that I'm getting to spend with my son and my daughter more, my wife. Uh, but there's this sense that we get in sports that these young men, not only do they need us, but we need them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it works two ways, but. To, I hear a lot of times like, "Oh, you're gonna be you're you're too soft on them if you're not yelling at them." I don't agree with that. Like, I'm Tony Dungy never yelled. I, I, I'm not gonna yell at a kid. Like, I, you know, I will get in your face, and I'll let you know when you there's disrespect. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna treat I'm gonna treat every kid. And JT, you you've heard me say this a thousand times. I'm gonna treat every kid that I coach on Friday night just like I would treat my son if he was playing for me, right there. Um, that's the way I look at it. Every coach, every kid that I coach is going to be Luke, who is my son, on Friday night for me. And it's interesting when we meet somebody new. They go and we're talking to them. They go, "Well, how many kids? How many kids do you have?" And and we have one son, and he's he's twenty six, twenty seven years old. And uh, I always say one, and my wife says, "But you're forgetting the other 70. Wow! Because the your football team is they're all like your sons. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, yeah. she goes, we have one of our own, but then we have the other 72. <laughs> so, you know, it's, and she's a part of it too. So it, it's, it's just makes it the way it is today. I mean, you're exactly right. People want us to coach and yell and scream, but that's not the way the 21st century athlete works. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and I think that's really, you alluded, alluded to it earlier where it, as a, a coach, we have that creative tension where we need to push the right button at the right time. And that's where that understanding piece comes in. And so maybe the 21st century is a little softer by those standards, but also that makes us more human. Um, and so I think it's a great point what you say. Tell me about the, the coaches that are listening to our podcast that maybe don't have any mental background. Maybe their teams don't even do any kind of peak performance exercises with their teams. What's one or two strategies that they can take away right now as kind of like a, a – mental coach first aid for when things go wrong maybe when a wide receiver drops the ball or running back fumbles what can your coach say right now that has no background that's going to make a difference and help turn the ship around i think it's instead of saying forget it and and i i do believe this now and like i said two years ago i was like this isn't ever going to work and that is that physical action i mean it is and i you know we have our team create one and there's been times in practice where we sent all 11 offensive guys over there and said, wipe it, because it just wasn't going very good. And it's amazing how they come back in it. I think what happens is they relax. I think they know when practice isn't going very good. So then they're trying to maybe press more, and then we're kind of, come on, come on, come on. you know. And then we're pressing more. I think that allows them to do it. I think a simple just routine thing, I mean – it doesn't have to be elaborate, but you know what? Start with, if you really want to be good, make your bed in the morning. You know what? Do that. And so what happens is that accomplishes something, and it, they all kind of like, okay, here we go. We're all doing it together. Or, you know, the, the simplest thing in the world, 
hey, success hotline, man. How hard is that? You put it on your phone, it comes. I mean, you listen to it every morning on your way to work. You go to school, listen to it. Yeah. You know, that guy's a genius. He says more things that I go, wow, how, how, how does he think of that? You know what I mean? So it's just, you know, those are about three things that I would do. It doesn't, the thing I think most coaches do is they get a plan and it's so complicated that it can't be carried out. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, I teach middle school and sometimes when they want to create projects, they want to create this project that they're going to, you know, going to have to have a four-year degree in engineering to create. And they're, they're 13 years old. And it's like, I sit there and go, you can try it. And lots of times it never works, but you know, they want to try it and that's great. But, you know, I think that's what happens with coaches. And that's like, a, that's probably the best thing I, we have in our plan that we're going to go out with is it's simple. I mean, it's, it's step by step. You have it and there you go. Now the choice is, and I still think you, you have this choice as a coach, you have to do it. And you, and we went to this a couple years ago. We used to talk about culture and we used to talk about mental performance and talk is talk. And now we say talk is talk and you know, do. Yeah. We don't talk about it. We do it now. And I think those are two. I think that's the biggest mistake people make is they talk about it, but they don't do it. Yeah, I think it's a big thing, and, and our head coach alluded to this. Like, we were good. Um, we probably have one of the top. It's probably he's probably top three in the state of Mississippi um, in coaching. Uh, we just won our first state championship under him in 2019. But people would ask him like, "Tell me about your football program," and they couldn't. He couldn't tell them about like who we are. He could tell them what we do, like that we're tough. We're gonna we're gonna do things. We're gonna we're gonna be this way, but. Until he started, and Coach Tory has seen him change over the last 18 months of understanding how this whole thing has to come encompassed in uh, a culture, a system, however, whatever you want to say it is, um, you know, that that paid dividends. Because look, 2018, we made it and beat the team that we beat 42 to 21 in the regular season, came back and beat us in the state championship game. And uh, he he addressed the team afterwards and was like, guys, that's on me and me not setting the standard of what Patriot standard should be and, and what our culture is going to look like. If we're down at halftime, if we're up at halftime. So now from the managers to the head coach to even the ball girls, everybody knows who we are and what we stand for. I mean, even the, the fans in the stands uh, know who we are as a unit and even in our subunits uh, of who we identify with. Yeah, it, it, it has to be clear. Yeah. And everybody has to know, you know, what it is. Like, just like I said, and I know that's probably more detailed than what we get into, but you talk about what is rookies football, it's pound the stone. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just, and it's, and we talk about it every day. You got to do it every day. Yeah. You're coming I, out here, you're not coming out here, just come out here. You're coming out here pound the stone. Yeah. I was, and we start with the story every year about what that actually means to people. Yeah. I was just, we use a sound bite. So uh, our head coach loves Urban Meyer. Um, so his is that 36 plus two for you. And that means, you know, we're going to have alignment, assignment, and effort, those three things for six seconds. We're going to play plus two, the echo of the whistle, and then we're going to play for you, for your brother. So he, we have this um, equation, if you will. And then yeah. uh, we outline it with uh, every year now is going to be to the top of what to the top means. And Adam Matheson paints that out perfectly 
Uh, and he and I had a conversation when he was on our podcast, and we had another conversation afterwards of just what that entails and how that looks. Uh, but to the top and 36 plus two for you is, is our little deal. Yeah. And I think that gives you a framework once you've done that work and you've organized it. There's your framework. This is, this is a, what, what we're building our house on. And then I think you hit on it earlier, Coach Vigdal, about, you know, what are you feeling your heart with? You know, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? Who are you, who are you paying attention to? Who are you having conversations with? How do you talk to yourself? And Medcap writes that in Chopwood Carry Water where there's those six things that you use to fuel your heart. And that's really what you're doing then to coach a 21st century athlete is you are fueling their hearts. Right. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. And I coach middle school track too. And so we always have the comment. God bless you. What's that? God bless you. We have uh, our story is on there. We always tell them a story once or twice a week. But uh, we always say, you hang around with five smart people. Who's the sixth smartest person? You are. You hang around with five people who are troublemakers. Who's the sixth troublemaker? And so, you know, that's what we try to get across to those guys. So we kind of start this in middle school track. So they start getting their stories. They start getting to understand what it's about. So you said, you, know what? Ahead, you, said, you said that there's a story every day before practice. We, we get, I do two stories probably a week, and then for them to get a, uh, their push-ups or whatever off, they have to tell retell me the story and what it means. Wow. And so what's interesting is in middle school, kids are pretty unforgiving. So one day I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to another coach, and I'm probably kind of complaining about something. I can't believe we got to do this or do that or whatever the case may be. And I remember she stood up and goes, walks up to me and goes, Coach Big Doll, tough people win. Yeah, you are correct. So, you know, our, our kids know it. And it's not just our football team. It's kind of kind of become a culture at our school. Yeah, I thought she was going to tell you no BCDs. Well, <laughs> if I would have been over that one, she probably would have said that one the best. But it was kind of like, tell people when, Coach McDowell. Yeah, you're right. So I better be quiet and get busy. Yeah, you know, Randy Jackson talks about brainwashing them and, and all that stuff. And yep. JT, I like what you said better. You know, you're capturing their heart. It's, it's the heart values. It's core values or heart values it's what those kids stand for and and um, you say it in y'all's football program coach Tory. you know believe in something bigger than yourselves it's something way bigger than than a game on friday night or or a track meet on a saturday or a basketball game on a tuesday night in, in conference or whatever so yeah or it's bigger than you know failing a math test it's bigger than your girlfriend breaking up with you and uh coach Vigdal, i just really appreciate that i teach seventh grade social studies and like that's the thing about middle school kids if you start spewing it they will call you on it when you act out of line with it so uh you know those kids they're gravitating to something but it's also like they're little sponges right like these kids crave attention and so the earlier we can start a lot of people ask me and it's kind of a pj fleck thing but people ask me why i teach seventh grade and the answer is because then i don't get a four-year relationship with them in high school i have actually a six-year relationship it all starts in my classroom and the relationship never really stops and so uh it's really refreshing to hear someone else because i think overall middle school is ignored especially by males yeah i uh i teach middle school technology so i know how that works and so you know they're they're an interesting group but i almost think that makes you younger i mean hanging around those guys they're always doing something yeah i don't know if it's tugging on my i don't (laughs) do what 
I said okay, Boomer. That's kind of the latest slang right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all kind of made me feel bad. So every time I talk to JT, it's kind of like I'm the only high school guy uh, that we ever talked to, it seems like. And somebody was like, what do you want to teach? And I was like, you know what? I, when I'm through with these seniors or freshmen, I think I want to go to like fourth or fifth grade. And they're like, really? And it's about what you just said, JT. There's no, There's not really any male influence in those elementary grades and uh, middle school grades. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I think it's, it, it is, it's like a PJ Fleck thing. Like if he wasn't at Minnesota, he'd be teaching, teaching sixth grade. Sixth grade social studies, That's you it. know, and coach Vigdal, I guess that brings me to my next question for you is talk about your end game. Like, what do you want at the end of the day, your coaching career, your teaching career, whatever, what, what kind of motivates you? Like, what do you want to see on your tombstone kind of thing? Um, what do you hope your athletes remember about you? Uh, I guess to put it best is I talked uh, up at the Glacier Clinic this year up in Minneapolis, and I had a former player drive across town in Minneapolis, and when I was done talking, he walks in the door. And he said, I said, what are you doing here? Because he's not a football coach. He's a, he's a He's a chiropractor, so he's a lot smarter than I am. And so he goes, I had to come see my high school football coach. Wow. And I guess, you know, for lots of things, you know, but in, in, a, in your heart of hearts, what you're really after is when these guys leave your program, they become the best husband, father, son that they can be. And that's what we talk about. And we talk about this all the time. Football's not the hardest thing you're ever going to do. I mean, you know, they think it is, and they think weightlifting is. And I always say, it's not the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And I finally said, does anybody know what the hardest thing you're ever going to do is? And they all look around, and they give you the answers like, oh, we're construction. No, it's being a dad. That's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Because it's, it's, it's the most rewarding. But I'm going to tell you what, you spend a lot of nights worrying what about this? What about that? Being a husband, doing the right thing all the time. So, you know, our kids, you know, that's that's what I want out of our kids. When I guess what's on my tombstone is, you know, to be honest with you, probably haven't thought about it very much, but I just want, you know, for them to come up and say, I love that guy. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's probably as simple as it gets. You said the hardest um, thing. I, I was thinking the hardest thing is getting married making sure that the girl you're going to marry says I do <laughs> that's probably the hardest well, thing that's the hardest decision you're ever going to hopefully get your yes with but it's not the hardest thing you're ever going to do right and right uh, let's be honest if you're going to ask someone to marry you you better pretty well know the answer before that happens <laughs> yeah, yeah good. That's probably a good point there you better you better brainwash them like Randy Jackson says you better brainwash her so she, you know what the answer is going to be man yeah, the hardest thing is maybe convince them that they want to marry a, a football coach. That's probably exactly. one of the hardest things. That, uh, that is true. There's a better there's a better analogy right there. Yeah. So uh, no, I think I think what you said right there is simple. Like you just want to be we just want to be loved, right? Like we love and then hope to be loved back. And we know it doesn't always happen, uh, and that just comes with the territory. But I think and again look at how simple that answer is you know i asked a really complex question about what's your legacy what how are you going to be remembered and uh i think coach weaver and i would both be really happy if people remembered us the same way you want to be remembered absolutely yeah. one of the things that uh 
that's really brought our parents in and our transparency of our program is we have a mom's night and and a lot of people make mom's night very complicated and it's long and it's drawn out but let's be honest mom wants moms want to know two things right number one is their son going to be safe and number two how to clean the uniform they don't care if there's an rpo running the game they don't care if the fullback trap gets you know blocked right they want to know those two things so what we have them do is it's all about competition so at the end of the night because what we do is you have 10 minutes we're going to go 10 minutes officiating we're going to go 10 minutes offense 10 minutes defense and we're talking about this 10 minutes special teams because they don't you know let's be honest they care but they don't care the thing is, and we started by saying it's not about football tonight it's about you having an hour with your son all by yourself you know what i mean there's no dad around there's no brother sister it's just you and your son so that's the focus and so at the end of the night we always have a competition because like i said our our team's based on competition so we have the moms put the shoulder pads on and the jersey on and a helmet and they got to take a selfie with their son and their son has to tweet it out and then at the end of the night what happens is when the competition's done we have the moms walk in the locker room and when they walk in the locker room there's a note that we had our sons write earlier to their moms uh hanging on their locker and they hand that note to their mom and it never ceases to amaze me there's not a lot of dry eyes that leave that locker room i mean those moms love it and then the very next night what we do is we have a dad's night now once again the dads don't really care how safe or unsafe it is for the most part they want to know is my son going to get the ball and how is he going to get the ball and are we running rpos and you know they're more worried about the x's and o's but even with that, the kids go and they leave. We'll say to the kids, go get your helmets. So they go get their helmets. And while they're, the sons are going to get their helmets, I hand a note card to the dads and say, you're, gonna, you're writing a note to your son. Okay. Now, just so you're aware of this, your son is going to get that note on the Friday night of the very first game. And so when they come back, they go ahead and, bring their helmets back and then the mom the dads and the son puts the helmet stickers on the helmets and then the night before the first game or on that friday night in the locker room i go through and hand every varsity player their note from their dad and they read it and what's amazing about that is i and sometimes i don't think the dads really understand but those kids keep those notes mm. and some of them read it every friday night you know what i mean they put it in their bag and it's like locked in there, and every Friday night they read that note. Yeah, when I was the head junior high coach, we did a thing called with dads and decals, and we did the moms thing with polish and pray. And uh, but Coach Tory and I are big on on handwritten notes. We uh, we write handwritten notes to our unit guys. And uh, my parents of my wide receivers write the first one. They write the first one of the season, and then I follow suit afterwards. Um, yep. Because that's awesome. powerful. The powerful the power of a handwritten note. You know. Coach Tory, he heard that I do it, that I that I do that, and uh, he followed suit. And we've kind of held each other accountable on this this journey of hey, you know, posting our, our handwritten notes, stuff like that. But uh, it doesn't matter if you're a starter or you're a sophomore, you're you're going to get a note um, from us on Friday night. Hey, quick question for you, Coach Vigdal. Uh, what do you do if there's not a parent in the picture? What we do is. They can invite anybody, you know what I mean? So it might be a grandpa, might be a grandma. Uh, if we have to have a coach set in on it, we'll have a coach set in on it. 
So there's always options out there. Might be a neighbor. I mean, like if the son says my dad's working, uh, you know, we've had brothers there, you know, they're going to have somebody there for them. Uh, so, you know, we, we think that, you know, as long as they have somebody there, that's, that's all part of it. So great. Thanks. Well, coach, we're going to, uh, ask you this question and, and this is, this is kind of the final question we, we segue into and we ask every one of our guests this. And uh, it goes back to John Gordon, and it's about your carrying trademark. And it's probably one of my favorite questions. It's come, it's, it's come to be. It's our ritual question, and it's it's awesome to see. Like some people wear socks that are the same from back in 1985, um, and they have like this system of sock wearing. But for Coach Tory, his carrying trademark is wearing purple shoes on wrestling match days. For me, it's during track season. I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan, so I, I typically wear red on our championship day. So if it's junior high track meet day, I'll wear red. But other than that, I don't wear any red in the spring until track season's over, except for those two days. So state cha- state track championship, I wear it for two days, and then on junior high championships. Um, so our question to you is, what is your carrying trademark? I would say when we win a game, and it's not the same all the time, but when we win a game, those clothes are locked. They're, we're going to wear that through thick and thin the rest of the year. But I would say probably the, the most trademark I have is I have a hat that's probably 20 years old. It's a Nike football hat. Well, it used to be blue, and I'm not so, I don't even know what color it is now. It's the bill, you know doesn't have it's open there's stuff but i'll wear that at practice and there's sometimes when i think we need to be tough in a game i'll wear it in a game mm-hmm. uh but that's probably it because that hat has been through thick and thin it's been through rain snow stepped on that's the hat that i used to throw down when i was younger <laughs> for angle tackling for the defensive backs and so that hat has been stepped on grass whatever you have it's been through it, but that's kind of the way I kind of view myself and most coaches. They've been through all of that, and so that's pretty much my trademark, I would say. That's great, and Coach. Tell us when you pull that hat out. Like, when when is it, when do you go home and are like, gosh dang it, I'm really not getting through to my team. The stories aren't effective. I'm getting the hat. Tell us when do you go to that. <laughs> There's been a couple times uh, I go – What's interesting is is the kids will look at me, and I'm sure the fans look at me like, wow, what? why is he wearing that hat? <laughs> because a couple times I pulled it out when I thought we needed to be tough in a game, and I wore it, and it's like, you know, it's not it's not fancy. It's, it's not sexy. It's ugly. It's, it's, it's a mess. And they're like, why is he wearing that hat on the sideline? Well, and usually what ends up happening is, guess what? The reason I wear that hat before the game is or during the game i tell a story about the hat before we go off it's been with me forever it's you know i think my wife has only been married to me like two more years and that hat's been around so you know they both of them stuck around (laughs) amazingly over the last 30 years so i'm just saying you know i think my wife might leave before the hat leaves but you you just never know so i love it i love it Oh, it's amazing. Uh, it's such a great interview. So, 
Uh, Coach Vigdal, really appreciate your time tonight coming in the classroom. Uh, it's really refreshing to hear your ideas on capturing kids' hearts and coaching the 21st century uh, athlete with empathy and understanding, and then all the different things that you do in your program to give your kids a great experience. Well, and I think that's what high school sports are all about. You know, you can talk about championships, and we've been lucky. We were in the state championship game last year, you know what I mean, semifinals the year before. But, you know, I still think when you leave your high school, and, and you guys aren't as old as I am, but, you know, I think you want to look back on your high school career and your high school teams as, you know, it was fun. I had a great experience there. And, you know, think about when, the, you know, I hate to date myself, but like in the 80s, it was all about if you were a freshman, you, you know, got you were the tackling dummy or you got tied to the goalpost or you got shoved in the mud or whatever the case may be. And, and that, you know, that's what you look back and you think, uh, you know, that's what my high school football career was about. You know, that's what I remember the most. And I have a guy that I coached or I played college football with down at the U and and he's a couple years older, but we don't ever talk about, boy, remember that play? Remember that? No, we always talk about all the stupid stuff that happened in the locker room and, uh, you know, our teammates said or whatever, the coach got mad at him or whatever the case may be. We don't talk about plays and X's and O's, you know, so... I think kids just deserve a great experience. And, and you're doing that. You're doing that. And that's so refreshing to hear uh, of how your system and, and how your kids are intentionally loved and cared for in your football program. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, guys, that's Coach Vigdahl, um, and you've been listening to the Culture Classroom. Hey, Coach Weaver, I don't know about you, but I got better today. <laughs>